Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a horror role-playing game based upon the fictional works of H.P. Lovecraft. Your investigators of the unknown are... Brian, as Jack Whiteside. Hi, everybody. Gabe, as Roy Arroyo. Don't ever ask me to do anything in March, or else you'll get this out of me. And Matt, as Rocky Arroyo. Well, I guess you could say that things at the morgue have been rather <laughs> hopping. Welcome, players. How is everybody doing tonight? I'm scared now. Because of the hopping thing or the March Madness? Yes. He's making fun of me, and I want him kicked off the show. I'm terrified, and I'm out. Can do. All right, well, let's take a moment to thank our patrons for their support. Our cultists of the story wisdom, the Demir Lobotmist and Ravens in the Attic, have conjured two recurring NPCs which have helped shape our stories. And for that, we are eternally grateful. Eternally. Our mystic of the occult, Jordy Rose, is assisting us by keeping tabs on where poor Dan Williams might be headed next. Our investigator of the unknown, Wayne Stubblefield, holds down the fort while Jack, Roy, and Rocky are out chasing shadows. I got one! Our professors at Miskatonic, and there's quite a few of them, Brittany Davis, Lobster Johnson, Olda Pulkert, Chris Parker, Frank Delventhal, Mitch L., Daniel Hissey, Eric Zane, David Winterman, Wouter Vermeyen, John Imray, Brownie Davis, Anthony Imes, and Eric Miles, all are being assigned their specialty departments for the new school year. Our students at Miskatonic, Eric Setterberg, Eric Phillips, Snow, Malambra 57, Milkamix, and Rolling Boxcars should proceed to registration immediately or risk losing their first choice classes. Remember, if you'd like to help our humble podcast keep producing quality content, please visit patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes and check out the fabulous rewards starting at as little as $1 a month to become a student all the way up to $500 to enter the dreamlands where you will decide the fate of one of these investigators. What? Finally, we would like to thank the tireless efforts of our favorite fan artist, Simon Gumbel, who recently completed fantastical representations of Chapter 6 and 7. Check those out on our shop at teespring.com slash stores slash Lovecraft tapes. You know you want them. Well, before we begin, we need to take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hello, lover. Looking for a special gift for that special someone? Well, Edna's got you covered, hun. Literally. Flowers are out. Cards passe. And why have dinner out when you can eat at home? You've heard about edible undies, right? Yeah. Just slip them on and let your body heat do the rest. Melts in your mouth and in your hand. Mm-hmm. You can get those regular kind anywhere. Edna's got something special. Rare. Because my artisanal edible undies have been handcrafted from the finest sausage casings available from New York City butcher shops. You won't get that salty snap from any other edible undie, I guarantee. Mmm. Munch your way to ecstasy. And when you reach the pinnacle of satisfaction, keep going. Once you get that first taste, though, there's no stopping. Cannibalism? Just a word, right? 
Skin separates in a welcoming smile. Blood blurs into a warm bath. Pink meat sticks in your teeth. And the bone? Well, that's what it's all about, sweetie. Edna's Edible Undies, available at all fine retailers. And we're back. Oh my god. Bruh, that was epic. Well, if I'm being honest, I considered long and hard before running a commercial for that product and or service. But after some soul-searching contemplation, I thought, what would old Jack Burton do? Now, dear investigators, we continue. Chapter 8. Trist. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. Like birds of a feather, our fearless investigators bail out of Rocky's experimental high-speed jet and parachute down to the scenic island of Tristan de Cunha in the South Atlantic. Local constable Sergeant Brother Howie Neal meets them in the field just west of the settlement of Edinburgh, a quaint village sequestered at the end of the world. He treats them to a lunch of taco fish and uncarbonated cokes at the burger joint before escorting them to St. Mary's Church where three dead bodies await their examination. Each victim has expired in a unique and puzzling manner. Surely, the deaths cannot be mere coincidence. How might they be tied to Dan's coordinates? Only a more thorough investigation will reveal the necessary clues. But... Before that can happen, Roy is subjected to a horrific sight. It is currently mid-afternoon local time on Tuesday, October 3rd, yet here in the basement of the church, it feels much, much later. Roy, you have fallen to the hard-packed earthen floor, heart hammering at the inside of your ribs, pulse pounding in your temples, causing your eyes to water uncontrollably. A few feet away is a frog squatting triumphantly next to your fumbled firearm. The creature seems to be grinning at you, eyes bulging monstrously, rubbery lips curled upward, the leathery chin sack expanding like a sick room balloon. A snippet of some childhood song surfaces from the depths of your brain, taunting, There's a hole, there's a hole, there's a hole in the bottom of the sea. Then you feel Jack's strong grip on your arm as he kneels at your side, and sanity seeps back like a balm against the sudden infusion of adrenaline to your overloaded senses. Roy, take a breath. You got this. I got? What do I got? You don't get it, Jack. I'm the strongest guy I know. I know you are. There's only one thing that really scares me other than Rocky's dumbass face. Ribbit. Ribbit. I'm going to pull out a pair of surgical gloves. And petroleum jelly. I'm sorry, petroleum preserves. <laughs> we eating good tonight, boys. Hand them over to Roy. You got to do it. Give him the gloves. I'll put the gloves on. All right, bend over. Hold on. I don't know if I can, Jack. Just try. All you got to do is try. You got any lotion? I'd like to go try. I'll, uh, I'll slowly approach the frog. And uh, he hops away. Into the shadows. <laughs> and then I'll pull my gun out and shoot it. <laughs> well, your gun's lying on the floor. That's where you fumbled it before. Oh, yeah. All right. Then I will just sit there, get in the fetal position. <laughs> and cry. You know what you just did? Failed. You went towards it, not away from it. That's a step. It would have been a step if I stepped back. It would just be a different step. But you chose to step forward. All right, let's get back to these bodies. Let's figure out what the hell's going on. That is a lot less scary. Is he- 
always this dramatic over these small things, or is it just a special occasion? You can keep the gloves. Sorry that our family likes me, so I had traumatizing experience, unlike you. Ribbit. And Jack, as you uh, as you stand up, uh, you do notice that Sergeant uh, Brother Howie Neal and uh, Father Brother John Sharp are both cringing away. De- Declan is standing next to them. They're just sort of like watching you guys, clearly freaked out that uh, this corpse wasn't actually dead. Roy was the only one who heard what the corpse said. And I totally remember it, too. A hundred percent. Father. Yeah, I knew that. The rest of you saw that uh, the frog leapt out of her mouth. Her eyes had snapped open, and then a gush of water came out of her uh, mouth. Uh, I'm going to turn back to Declan. Uh, Wait a second. Sample kit right now. I'm going to snap my fingers. And wordlessly, he presents it to you. Uh, Grab it out of his hands. I'm going to uncork the file, take the Q-tip inside, swab the water that she spit out on the floor, and cork it back in the tube and hand it back to Declan. Why don't you give me a... Let's go ahead and say spy hidden. I needed a 60 and I rolled a 68. It's a fail. Would you like to let that stand? I'll spend the eight points, so now I'm down to 72. What you notice, Rocky, is that you're not getting any kind of salt component from the water you detect nothing so your guess would be that it is fresh water not salt water that's odd for a village surrounded by the ocean it seems she's spitting up fresh water and frogs yes and frogs but this is getting more and more peculiar well time for dinner i'm gonna step over to the charred corpse that the frog came out of Uh uh-huh put my flashlight in my mouth and slow slowly pry her the jaw open peering down into the oral cavity you said oral. It does appear to be a normal mouth and throat. It is not burned. Okay, that's what I was wondering. The burning is only on the exterior of the body. It's somewhat disconcerting because she was alive just moments ago. Right. So there is some swelling at the back of the throat, probably due to the fact that the frog was crammed down there. This is, uh, it, it looks like maybe someone tried to drown her or gag her and then tried to burn her alive. Don't kink shame her. Ultimately <laughs> succeeded. Rather odd combination. Go from trying to drown someone to trying to burn them alive. Well, as you can plainly see, none of these are accidents. Clearly. You're looking at it the wrong way, feller. Maybe they burned her alive so she tried to drown herself to save it. To save the frog? Yeah. Ribbit. Hello, my baby. Hello, my... <laughs> I'd like to visit the sites of each of these. Each of these bodies. Clearly there was some sort of foul play involved here. Uh, Not only has his brain been smashed in by some sort of blunt force trauma, but his brain is missing. Oh, and uh, I'm going to hold up the little baggie. There was a fingernail buried in the back of his skull. And he was one found in the cemetery, correct? Yeah. Do we want to split up, or should we stick together and go to each site and see what we can find? It might cover more ground if we each go check out our own respective body's resting place. I feel like you're just trying to make it so I have to deal with more frogs, but okay. (laughs) Well, I don't think yours was found near any water is the problem. Yeah, because we're near water in that lady's mouth, but okay. Don't dive in. Brother Young John, the uh, fishmonger, he was found at Calshot Harbor, discovered by Brother Russ Waters, the harbor master. Harbor master named Waters. That's not suspicious. <laughs> not at all. 
Brother Maury Aubris was the uh, groundskeeper grave digger and was found uh, at the cemetery by Sister Myrtle Morrissey, uh, who you spoke with earlier at the burger joint. And finally, uh, Sister Ingrid Pitt, discovered by Brother Tony Roper, the postman, at the Thatched House Museum. Yay, more museums. I'm so going to trip every alarm they have. They probably don't have alarms. They just use frogs as guards. (laughs) Oh, boy. Battletoads is the scariest game ever made. Excuse me, do you have Battletoads? All right, well, I'm going to head out. I'm going to head over to the uh, the water area pier place. Sergeant Brother Howie Neal sees that Jack is preparing to leave. He's like, oh, what now? Uh, is there anything I can help with? Yeah, why don't you uh, give, me a, give me a ride out there? Do you mind? Well, let's just walk away. We can uh, just take a few minutes. How about you and I walk together? That would be fantastic. Oh, all right. Uh, what, what, what are the other lads doing? Me and um, my associate Declan here are about to head out to the cemetery to take it. Uh, take a look at the location where they found Mister Obreys. I guess that makes sense. Uh, well, it's just quite a bit north here, uh, just on the on the cliffs. Um, just a few minutes walk away. Right, thank you very much. Come, Declan. We have work to do, and I'm going to walk out. Before I leave, I'm going to go up to Roy. You good? Yeah. I'm good. All right. I'm just, you know, all alone. Got to go by myself. All by myself. Oh, oh, is, uh, is that gentleman uh, heading to the uh, Thatched House Museum? Yes. Well, you might want to talk to uh, Brother Tony Roper, the postman. He's uh Tony Romo's a postman here? You can find him uh, if you need to talk to him uh, down at the uh, Albatross Bar. As usually uh, done about now, uh, he's he's made his rounds and he's he's uh, having a spot of lunch and uh, then he likes to have a couple beers. If it's at a bar, I will definitely go. Duh, beers. It's just around the corner, so uh, that's why I mentioned it. Try not to shoot the phone out of the bartender's hand this time. Try not to stalk me, idiot who already left the room. Let's start with uh, Jack. Uh, Sergeant Brother Howie Neal uh, escorts you, making small talk towards the harbor. Oh, so how'd you get into this business? It's kind of a long story. Well, we have exactly four minutes, so... Well, let me ask you a quick question first, then I'll, I'll give you a little bit of my background that everybody knows. Has anybody else come to this island recently? In the last month, maybe? Not that I know of, no. Uh... Seems like a pretty close knit community. Yes, absolutely. So you've had no no other visitors. We're the first in, in, in a while. Yes, uh, absolutely. And there's no other settlements on this island? Oh, no, no. This is a very small island. I understand that. I'm just, just making sure. Just us and the seagulls. Got to cover and the frogs. And the frogs. Well, it's very odd. Uh, I haven't seen frogs around here in quite some time. Yeah, usually uh, without a body of fresh water, you don't get a lot of uh, frogs. Well, that's, uh, that's absolutely true. And uh, really, the only fresh water we have is flowing down from the mountain. So do you, you, you don't have any bodies of water, small lakes or anything like that, a pond? Well, sure. There's uh, Queen Mary's uh, Lake up, up on the peak. Well, that may be uh, a next stop for us if we don't find anything here. Oh, it's, it's going to be quite a hike. Uh, well, you're going to need some gear to get up there. Oh, I'm sure we will. Yes, it's a, it's probably a, uh, at least a day and a half's hike at the very top of the volcano. All right, you got any uh, people here named Joe? Joe, sure. We've got plenty of Joes. All right, good. They only serve coffee, though. We just need somebody to throw in the volcano at the top. Oh, oh. <laughs> My story has had some run-ins and some issues in my in my youth, and uh, encountered a couple uh, not so savory characters. Oh, I see. I well, that's what I've heard about New Orleans. And uh, feeling uh, a little helpless at that age, I needed to to pursue a career that would give me a little bit more control. 
Well, that's a bit more in-depth than I had hoped to hear, but uh, glad to hear you're making some uh, headway in that direction. It all direction. started when I was three. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, look at that. Here we are. Welcome to Kelshot Harbor. I promptly push him in. <laughs> Splash. Waves lash at the shoreline with the ebb and flow of the tide. A few modest fishing boats bob in the surf like toys in a bathtub. Along the pier, rusty broken cages and rime-encrusted coils of rope molder upon the uneven rock outcropping, while hopeful gulls wheel overhead, their mournful cries piercing the empty air like the screams of ascending spirits. An old man, dressed in a jaunty white captain's cap and heavy peacoat, stands at the far end of the dock, his back to you, gazing out at the wide open water. Oh, that, that there's uh, Brother Russ Waters. He's the harbor master. He's a bit of a character, as you can imagine, and he doesn't really like to talk to strangers that much. Unless, you know, you've got a little bit of the old... Arsenic? And old lace. <laughs> I slowly undo my belt. I call this old lace. It's a weird thing to name your penis, but okay. Whoa, I was talking about my underpants, man. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to go up and talk to the harbor master. Mm. Sergeant Brother Howie Neal remains where he is at the uh, beginning of the Calshot Harbor Pier and lets you walk alone towards the figure at the end of the pier. I'm looking at the pier the whole time, both sides scanning it for anything that looks out of place. Nothing seems to be too out of whack at this point. It takes you like a minute to walk out to where he is because he's all the way at the end. It's kind of odd because as you reach the halfway point, you become deaf because the waves are just... It's just like white noise. It gives you like an eerie feeling as you approach this figure and you stand within 10 feet of him and he is yet to turn around. I quickly fall asleep from the white noise. Welcome to the adventures of Jack Whiteside, the narcoleptic detective. Hey, buddy, you need to... I'm going to step to the side, to the left, and I'm going to walk straight up next to him and just stand there looking out at the ocean till he notices me. Yeah, and you you can see out of the corner of your eye that uh, he does sort of notice you and then turns back quickly and then uh, 15, 20 seconds goes by and then he turns towards you and just looks straight at you and you can sort of see his dim figure in the corner of your eye. Slowly turn towards him. And kiss on the lips. And you see a a rather old man. He looks like he's in his 70s. Very grizzled looking, unshaven. Uh, He has a puffy nose and his eyes are sort of like deeply wrinkly. He's got the bags just sagging. And they're like slightly watery and gray. And you can tell almost immediately that this guy is an alcoholic, clearly. He has the broken veins in his nose. and, and, And he's just sort of looking at you with a mixture of indifference and not quite hate. But just this coldness. Okay, hi. Brother Waters. Mm. I hear someone died out here. Aye. He nods his head to the left towards a boat that is uh, one of the few. Looks looks even more modest and small than some of the other ones. Okay. There are, are some uh, decals on the side of it that say Brother John. I'm going to nod at, at uh, Waters and uh, go towards the boat. And he's watching you. And as you walk a couple steps away, he's like, Hey. B. I turn around. What do you want? I was brought here to investigate. And you are? 
I pull out my ID, walk up and smash it in his face. <laughs> and he steps a couple feet closer and squints at the piece of paper in your hand. The laminated piece of paper from a different country. Right. You're here to help then. Best I can. Well, good luck to you. I appreciate that. Is there anything I can do for you? Never breaking contact with your eyes. Sort of rubs his finger underneath his nose. Rubs his chin. You need a razor and some Vicks? Does a real hard swallow and licks his lips. I'll visit you later. I'll take care of you. I'm going to turn and go to the boat. And he follows right behind you. To get on the boat itself, you would have to sort of make a leap from the pier onto the deck. And of course, everything's sort of bobbing up and down, bobbing up and down. There are some poles nearby that if someone were to steady the boat, you would have an easier time hopping on. All right, I'm going to turn to him, turn to Waters. And he has this sort of knowing look on his face. And you hear him whisper, landlubber. And he smiles slightly. You called it. Can I get some help? I get some help and I guess I can give you some help. You've got my word. I'll bring you something. What's your, what's your favorite? Some whiskey to help steady my hands to help you aboard. I have to walk four minutes back. Both ways, baby. I'll be back. And I'm going to walk to town. So you get to the end of the pier and uh, Sergeant Brother Howie Neal looks up and... Oh, did he hit you up? Oh, yeah, he did. It's pay to play. Well, I was hoping it wasn't that time of day, but uh, I suppose you need this. And he hands out a little bit of a flask. You save the day, my friend. I know my people. I'll be right back. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Walk back down the pier. When I get close to him, I'm going to shove his ass into the water and then drink the flask. As soon as you turn around from Brother Howie Neal, you see Brother Russ Waters watching you the entire way with that slight grin on his face as you come back to him. I was hoping he was going to turn around and he was going to be like two inches from his face. (laughs) What the fuck? Put the flask towards him but I'm not going to release my grip. And he reaches out. He is missing a finger, uh, his ring finger on his right hand. Okay. It's just a real grizzled-looking stump that's all smoothed over. Even though the rest of his hand is complete callus, that particular nub is very smooth. Oh, you know what he does with that. Vaseline's it up, baby. So he reaches out for the flask, and you said you are holding on to it? Yep. So he brushes your hand with his nub? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's first brush. I'm good with that. How about a nice dex roll? Um, I needed a 60. I rolled a 7. That's extreme. So I bite the rest of his fingers off. You see this look of surprise cross his face because clearly he uses this as an intimidation factor. You see a, a sign of grudging respect cross his face. I softly grab his hand, bring it up to my mouth, and put his nub in my mouth and just... Small circles with my tongue. Remember, Brian, we talked about crossing lines during the Q&A. It's an extreme. He relinquishes his grip on the uh, flask and understands that you are going to be asking the questions and he's not going to be getting a taste until you're satisfied. Tell me what happened down here. Torrent natural. Young John might have been a sprout, but he'd been on these seas for over a decade. You ask me, them things got to him. Those things what lives neath the waves. I seen him down there once or twice, yeah. Blank gray eyes, blind, unblinking, and yet they seem more like us than a frog or fish, you know? They had a certain look I once heard about. The Innsmouth look. 
And he uh, turns back towards you with sort of a haunted, painful look. And you can see that just the the memory of that and the telling of the tale of young John it has hurt him in a way, sort of deeply. And that's probably why he needs the booze. When do you see him? When do they come out? Oh, I only seen him once or twice. I think that's what got him. It must have been. I found him floating near his boat. At first, I thought he fell overboard. Let's go take a look. I, I hand him the flask. And he takes a long swig. And I grab it back while it's still at his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't have too much. I don't want him to pass out on me into the boat. <laughs> and he, he sort of uh, hunches his shoulders and thrusts his hands into the peacoat jacket pockets and accompanies you back to the boat. Would you like a Werther's? All right, so let's uh, move along to uh, Rocky, who was headed toward the cemetery, accompanied by Declan. Uh, the two of you silently uh, move northward uh, through the town of Edinburgh, really a couple blocks before you can see that the vista opens up into a overgrown field that leads towards the shoreline. On a small cliff overlooking the ocean, the cemetery is a functional affair, simply row upon row of grave markers. Most of them are simple headstones, while a few larger ones signify more important or wealthier, dearly departed citizens of Edinburgh. The grass is allowed to grow wild here with the occasional trim. Wind whistles through the weeds, and while it is peaceful, there is a sense of foreboding that hangs in the air as well. well this seems like a rather cheery place now, doesn't it? Aye, sir. I'm going to walk in. Um, can I, like, see where the body was? Like, is there blood on the ground? or? After just a few minutes of looking around, you do see uh, there is a headstone that is spattered with some blood. So you assume that that is where the uh, body was found. And you see that the headstone reads, Here lies brother Jordy Rose. Give me three days in the cave and we'll talk. 1967-2000. Well, looks like we might have some people to ask about a certain Geordie Rowe. Aye, sir. I don't know if where he was killed has any particular meaning towards why or who did it, but it's always worth a look. Take a second to scout around the, the headstone and see if I can see, like, a, a blood trail or see if he was, like, dragged to this spot or if he was, like, killed right here. Sounds to me like either a spot hidden or a track, whichever one's better for you. I needed a 60 and I rolled an 8. That is an extreme spot hidden success. Just looking around, like very quickly, you see that there is an odd-shaped chunk of stone lying nearby. It's quite clearly a portion of another tombstone. Etched upon it is the letter W. And as you examine this piece of odd-shaped chunk of stone, you do see that there is a blood trail that leads away from this grave marker where the body of uh, Moriabris was found. Okay, so can I, I'm going to follow the blood trail back and see where it leads. You very carefully, with Declan at your back, stoop to see that the blood spatters uh, lead away from Brother Jordy Rose's headstone through the grass about several yards away. So you're sort of weaving in and out of these other tombstones. And you see uh, what appears to be another grave, but this one's been recently disturbed. You can see that the soil is has been turned over the headstone is actually a grave marker that is like a giant crucifix and one portion has been snapped off and the rest of the entry on the crucifix says ard 
Wood. A-R-D, and then last name Wood. So assuming that our odd-shaped chunk of stone from the other gravesite belongs to this one here, that means it would belong to Mr. Wardwood? I saw. All right. Remind me to ask Sergeant Brother Howie Neal if he knows anybody named Wardwood and if he's died recently. Does the trail lead anywhere else or is that like the end? No, it leads and ends directly in the center of this patch of disturbed earth. So it appears that whoever ended the life of poor Maury Albris might have caught him by surprise while he was dealing with the grave of Mr. Wardwood here. Somehow got a chunk of the gravestone to bash him in the back of the head with. Dragged him off to uh, that other tombstone uh, for uh, uh, Geordie of Roe. And then taken his brain? It's very odd, sir. Yes, odd indeed. I wonder what a town like this would have, or more or less a person in a town like this would have for a deceased human brain. Declan, make sure you take note of uh, what we found here. I want to make sure we uh, don't get anything wrong. This might be important. Yes, sir. Pull out my phone, and I'm going to take a, a picture of Jordy Rose's gravestone, kind of take a, a picture of the piece of stone where I found it, and then take some pictures of the trail leading back to Ward, the Wardwood Crucifix, and then take a picture of that gravesite and the, the headstone. So I have just some photographic evidence of what things were in case anything changes or someone tries to cover something up that they need to... Are there any fingerprints on the the piece of rock? Maybe they got some blood on their fingers. Sure. As you examine the uh, chunk of stone, uh, you can quite clearly make out that this is this was the murder weapon, and uh, whoever used it had a nice firm grip on it. And because you did roll extreme, I will go so far to say that as you examine the bloodied fingerprints, it does appear that one of the fingers was missing a fingernail. So, if my years of training are correct, whoever swung this rock might have lost a fingernail somewhere. And seeing as I found a fingernail buried in the back of um, Mr. Obris's skull, I think it's uh, fairly safe to say that we, Teclan, have found our murder weapon. Aye, sir, it appears so. We have something I can put this in so we can take it with us? I can carry it, yes. I'll put it in my satchel. I'm going to hand him the, the chunk of stone to put away. Uh, make sure you could, if you have something, you know, wrap it up first so we don't lose anything. And he does. He produces a uh, plastic sack, like a two-gallon Ziploc, and uh, tucks it away. And that's why I pay you the good money, Declan. You seem to just be prepared for everything. Aye, money, sir. Right. I uh, don't think there's anything else uh, here of interest. Uh, take one last look around. Um, is there like a, a a building or a shack or something? No, that... this is uh, basically just a flat uh, cemetery at the uh, at the cliffside. I think that's everything we need here. Uh, I guess we will head back to the morgue then, see if uh, anyone else has found anything. And so uh, you depart the cemetery, headed back towards St. Mary's Church. So, Roy, you, uh, just down the way from St. Mary's Church, uh, basically around the corner, uh, you see this, uh, again, uh, just sort of a ramshackle, tin, almost warehousey building. Outside is a sign that's swinging in the breeze that says Albatross Bar, and it has a, a well-kept screen door on the front. That's good. I will uh, stop to admire that screen door. And it is, like, somebody is, keep keeps this up very nicely. Somebody's very handy. 
feeling better than I have for a while, I'll enter the bar. And so the interior is nice and quiet, very dim and dark. There, There is actually no windows here other than the screen door, so that's the only source of exterior light. And inside are some low electricity Edison bulbs, and there is a, a low bar that seats maybe like three or four people, very small, couple tables. Uh, there is uh, one person at sitting at the bar, and behind the bar is a sort of middle-aged, very fat man. He has a very ruddy complexion, red, like you can see he's got that weird, blotchy red skin. And his eyes are bulbous. Both eyes have a sheen of onset glaucoma. He smiles instantly as you walk in, and he's like, Oh, hello, sir. Welcome. I need some info. Oh, sure. I've got plenty of info here. And uh, would you like to try some of me homebrew? Absolutely. But first, I need to know who's in charge of keeping that screen door up and running. Uh, that'll be me, sir. And he's pouring a, a pint of brownish ale as he speaks to you. Ah, yes. I, I love me screen door. I like that in a man. That shows good character in a man. I'll tell you that. I thank you, sir. Thank you. What be your name? I'm uh, Brother uh, Kemper Aldenland. I'm George. George Steele. Ah, uh, George. Welcome, welcome. What, what brings you to town on a beautiful island? You know, just vacationing in. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a very odd place to vacation, but it's very nice. I heard it was the edge of the world, and I'm doing a bet about whether the earth is flat or not, so I figured I'd, this would be a good place to start. You be one of these edgelords? I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna reveal my political beliefs like that, man. The earth is flat. Ah, oh, fair enough, fair enough. Well, uh, here, here, uh, try me, uh, brown ale. It's, it's quite nice, uh, particularly on a day like today. All right, I'll take a big, a big sip. It's actually pretty good. Um, it's got, like, a sweetness to it. Uh, it's really got a really nice body. Um, you do detect maybe, like, a little bit of kelp or seaweed in there. It sort of reminds you a little bit of what you smelled and or ate over at the uh, the burger joint, but it's actually pretty darn tasty. What do you call this? Boomstick brew? Yes, it's my it's me boomstick brew sludge ale. I like the word sludge. It's got a D and a G right next to each other. Two beautiful letters and they, they make sweet baby sounds. <laughs> he likes the D and the G. That's correct. When they're close together. Uh, now, would you be needing a room while you're here? Well, it depends. You got any screen doors on those rooms? Oh, not on the rooms per se, no. Alright, then I think I'm alright. Okay, okay. Well, if you change your mind, we we do have free coffee and uh, my uh, wife makes some uh, cake donuts each morning, too. Uh, have you met uh, Mr. Roper? Ah, yes. That's exactly who I was coming for. And he points his thumb at the other skinny gentleman at the bar, who sort of looks over at you with a very friendly smile and uh, maybe a, a slightly cold stare and raises his cup to you. I'll raise my cup back and then uh, down it to to establish that I'm more of a man than he is. Chug, 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 chug. And uh, sure enough, uh, Brother Kemper says, oh, another, sir? Would you like another? Of course, I want another. Nice. Uh, there's a man. There's a good man. And he um, goes back to pouring it. And uh, Tony Roper uh, sort of gives you an appraising glance and says, uh, Oh, so vacationing, I. Yeah, I like to go to some some cool places just so I can have some stories to tell the fellows back home. You pick a mighty strange place to call cool. You know what? Nobody else has been here, so I get to say that. All right, then. I'm uh, Tony Roper, by the way, uh... I'm the postman here. So, that's what it comes to. You're a quarterback one year, then postman the next year. 
I Hey, I gotta ask you, what's that whole brother-sister thing about, anyway? You all monks or something? We just call each other that because there's only a couple hundred of us, so we might as well all be family, eh? It's kind of like an inside joke. Isn't that a bit weird when you're trying to, you know, hook up, etc.? Well, we get the occasional infusion from the mainland, if you know what I'm saying. Ah, I like that. If word will leak out, a lot of those, uh, bro-sis people might be coming over here, you know? Cystic fibrosis. Yes, well, uh, I'll let you get that down to your other uh, pint there. Well, I'll raise the glass and cheers to you. Down it faster than he can yet again. Roll for chugging. So, uh, Tony Roper, the uh, postman who you came to question, is getting ready to leave. I'll, uh, I'll get up with him and start walking. And, and he turns after a couple feet and realizes you're right behind him. Uh, is there anything I can help you with, sir? Yeah, I got some questions now that I've worked to roleplay to establish trust despite the fact that nobody cared. Questions about what? So I know you were at the site of a sister's murder, or death, unexpectedly, where she was burnt and or drowned and or both. You're you're not here for vacation, are you? Sometimes I gotta bring my work on vacations. Let me guess. Brother Howie told you I'd be here. Yeah, that's exactly it, actually. Yeah, he can't keep his mouth shut for the life of him. I'm just trying to help. And anything that you can do can help me help this community. All right. What would you like to know? So, uh, you found the body? Uh, yes, uh, Sister Ingrid. I found her all crunchy-like. Juiced a couple of yards to the east of the museum. Thought it was some kind of runoff, you know, from the lava fields or a piece of volcano I hadn't noticed before. Only when it gets closer, it's clearly a person. A female person. You got any, uh, ideas or theories about who might have or... What might have done this to her? I don't know, but when I saw her, I thought straight away she looked just like Ingrid. And Howie says the same, so he says spontaneous combustion? No, there hasn't been documented cases of that in like seven or eight months. There's no way for that. Yes, I thought it was very suspicious too. So Howie's throwing out pretty wild ideas. He's not the brightest bowling ball in the sharp drawer. How about you and I heads over there and you kind of map out and explain a little more detail to me. Yeah, sure. I I can uh, do that. No problem. Alright, cool. He leads you kind of silently and reticent. Uh, As you walk with him, you notice that you know he's pretty thin. He's probably in his early 40s. Um, Seems pretty healthy. But you do get the distinct odor of potatoes about him. Uh, Sort of a starchy smell. You know, a sweet, starchy smell. And uh, he leads you uh, to the edge of town, the uh, eastern edge of town, quite a ways from the village proper, set off by itself in a field surrounded by black volcanic rock. The thatched house museum is a structure that looks quite old, rough-hewn from local timber, and warped with time. It's just sort of odd that there is this thatched building all by itself at the very edge of town and you you see there's a little again another little handcrafted sign etched wooden sign that says uh welcome to the thatched house museum tony uh says uh yeah it's been here for quite some time it's pretty boring stuff actually just a bunch of books and so forth uh, inside but i found her right over here uh i saw this column of black smoke coming from the uh southern uh portion of the yard and uh just a few feet away from the wall i found her all crusty like who runs this thatched museum Oh, it's sort of open to the public, and uh, we have uh, some volunteers who come and go. Uh, I know Ingrid uh, herself was uh, out here rearranging some things and dusting and cleaning. We just sort of take turns 
keeping it up. Uh, it is one of the uh, original buildings that was built when the establishment w- was created. And uh, I believe she was using it as sort of a headquarters for some of her uh, geology research. I mean, you're the postman, so you gotta know everyone. Wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Anyone got any problems with Ingrid you ever hear about? Oh, Lord, no. She was a, a very fine woman, very young, uh, vibrant, uh, very curious. She, she was very nice to have in the community. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to have to speak to these so-called volunteers. Well, it's uh, pretty much everybody. We all just sort of take turns, so... All right, well, do you know who was... I, I've done it myself, too. All right, bro. you got to relax now. Do you happen to know who was working uh, the couple days or the day of leading up to finding her burnt up? As I said, uh, she she had been out here, I think, almost a week, camped out doing her research, and uh, uh, during that time, she was keeping it up herself. Uh, that, that's annoying. Okay. I'll go look at around the site to see if I can find any of her research. Why don't you go ahead and give me a spot hidden? I need a 70... I got a 33. That's a hard success. As you look around the site where her body was found and as Brother Tony Roper is watching you and sort of curiously keeping his distance, uh, you notice a couple things. Uh, Where he indicated that the body was found, you can clearly see that there is some black marks on the ground and the grass. The grass here is a bit thinner and uh, maybe even sort of dead. You do see that there are a couple puddles of fresh water nearby. And you also notice, scratched on the exterior wall of the museum, is what appears to be a letter scratched with black stone. And it looks to you like the letter D. A capital D. You got the D. And as soon as you spot this, you start to feel a little nauseous. And we're going to switch back to Jack real quick. So Jack, you're on the pier, and the harbor master grabs a pole and steadies the fishing boat uh, so that you can climb aboard. I give him a nod, and I, I step down onto the boat. Appears to be a normal boat, very run down, probably passed down from generation to generation. I'm going to start at the back of the boat and run my hand along the outer edge of the boat all the way up and around both sides. I'm going to be feeling for any irregularities. Understood. Go ahead and give me a spot hidden then. I need a 77. I rolled a 40. So yeah, you're running your hand along the exterior of the boat and you you see on the starboard side, there is a rail that when you brush up against it, it pops out of its mooring. So it clearly uh, was broken at some point. To you, this sort of corresponds to what the harbor master said, that he suspected that the boy had fallen overboard. Okay. And as you move your hand along towards the aft of the boat, just slightly beyond where the broken rail is, you feel these sort of grooves on the uh, side of the boat just above the waterline. I'm going to pull out my phone and turn on the camera and hold it out over the aft of the boat and take a picture. Pull the phone back up and um, pull up the picture and take a look at it and see if I can see what that, what that was. That I felt. I'm going to need you to make one more spot hidden, please. Uh, I needed a 77. I got a hard success with a 21. And you can see that there are these strange claw marks on the exterior hull. And it looks to you like they're in the a rough shape of a letter. And as you, you zoom in a little bit more, uh, you can see that it is a capital letter D. You both got the D. There appear to be black bits of rock in the etched wood that 
either made the etching or somehow got embedded into it. And as you're zooming in closer and closer, trying to get a better and better view on your phone, you see this pale something just below the surface of the water in the photo. And you look from your phone to the railing and you see that there is a thick rope that you hadn't noticed before that is leading down into the water. I'm going to look back at uh, Harbor Master Waters. What would this rope be for? That'd be the anchor line. Hold me steady. I'm pulling it up. Aye. All right. So I'm going to kneel on one knee, one foot up, and pull up the pull the rope until I can pull it up and see. And you go hand over hand, pulling up the rope. It's very slick and wet in your hand. So you're really having to kind of brace yourself a little bit. It's quite heavy. And as you pull it up, you see this white mass surfacing at the end of the anchor line and you pull up the anchor and right above it sort of entangled within the rope is a severed tentacle and that's what we're going to call it oh you son we got one tickle down we got nine more to go boys look at all these d's what are your thoughts about the investigation so far what are any theories about what's going on there's something in the water the deep ones yeah it's weird that we're actually doing investigative stuff now I really like it. Tune in next time for Chapter 8, Trist. And now it's time for some recommendos. So please roll me a D100. I rolled a 67. All right, so Brian, you're going first, then me, then Matt, then Gabe. Okay, my recommendo is um, probably an obvious one to most people, is Captain Marvel. It is probably one of my top three favorite Marvel movies. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to see it with my daughter, who's 11, and Matt, of course, who's not 11. I'm 11 and a half. Just in this day and age with everything that's happening in in, in our country, it's, it's nice to see a positive message sent to a girl growing up not sure where she's going to fit in or how she should fit in. So despite all that extra stuff and the heavy stuff, uh, the action was great. The origin story was awesome. I love the... Uh, the, the characters that were included that have been there all along but now are rejuvenated, trying to be a little sly in case people haven't seen it. But uh, really, really, really good movie. Great coverage and a great setup for Endgame. Uh, pretty powerful to see that with my daughter and to say goodbye to Stan Lee, I think. Highly recommend Captain Marvel. Most people should have seen it, but um, check it out. Very good movie. My recommendo for tonight is the 2018 movie Piercing, directed by Nicholas Peske, starring Christopher Abbott, Mia Wasikowska. It is about a gentleman who is a family man with a brand new baby and wife, and he has a bit of a problem. He is a serial killer, at least in the offing. He's never actually killed anybody. He did attempt to do that once and uh, did not exactly work out. So he decides that he's going to go on a quote-unquote business trip and hire a prostitute and kill her in the hotel room. And the prostitute that he hires is Mia Wasikowska. Unfortunately for him, or fortunately, depending on how you want to interpret it, things don't go quite according to plan, even though he is very meticulous about the way he's going to be doing this. The events uh, subvert his expectations and ours as well. This is a fun movie. I laughed my ass off, even though it is very dark and in some uh, 
aspects bloody gory there are some very cat and mouse things going on and there is a level of violence that uh, might be off-putting to some but it's not exactly what you think and it is played more for to subvert your expectations if you're a fan of slashers or giallos there are so many cues and homages even to brian de palma dario argento and Hitchcock in this movie that I think you'll have a good time. And it's very short. It's like 80 minutes. It's very quick. I'm sure that none of my crew members here have seen his previous movie, which was The Eyes of My Mother, which you can find on Amazon or maybe Netflix or even uh, Hulu, uh, which is a black and white, I think maybe Spanish language version uh, horror flick that was uh, received quite nicely by horror fans and festival goers. So this is his follow-up and and it's called Piercing, and I highly recommend it. It's a great time. Uh, how about we go with Matt? I don't want to. I don't want to scare people too much by not recommending a game three weeks in a row. So I'm going to recommend a game, uh, The Division Two, which is a sequel to Ubisoft's game Tom Clancy's The Division. This time, instead of being in New York, uh, the game has moved to Washington D.C., and it is a absolutely gorgeous, incredibly accurate recreation of Washington, D.C., down to the point where people have actually hopped into the game and gone and found their houses. After the events of the first game in New York, where basically Washington, D.C. has been ravaged by a plague known as the Green Poison, which was created by one scientist and released on Black Friday as a statement against consumerism. So you are there as an agent of the division, also known as a a shade agent, and it's your job to help uh, keep the peace and keep Washington, D.C. from totally falling to, you know, gangs and criminals and to try and you know, keep the order and, you know, maintain the peace and make sure that the American government can still run, even in this time of absolute and total disaster. Uh, it is an open-world looter shooter, so it is a lot about going around the world and killing people and finding gear to, you know, get better gear, to find more gear. So if you're like me and you really love that that loop of upgrading and getting incrementally better, it's a good time. Uh, there's a lot to do, a lot of side activities a lot of missions, and bonus points to Ubisoft, these side missions feel just as good as the main story missions. So if you want a, a really solid looter shooter that's going to give you a lot of stuff to do for a long period of time, uh, go pick up Tom Clancy's The Division 2. Gabe, can you close this out, please? I'm going to recommend a tabletop game. Uh, it's called Secret Hitler. I owned it for about a year before I ever played it because I don't know four other people, and you need five players to play it. So that's a that's a fair warning for you. Basically, the goal of the game is it's two teams. There's the Hitler and fascist team, and then there's the liberal team. And the goal of Hitler's team is to pass enough fascist laws to win or have Hitler become chancellor after a certain point of the game. And the goal of the liberal team is to pass enough liberals' laws to win or to kill Hitler. And it's a, uh, it's a secret roles game. The fascists know who each other are, but the liberals don't know who the fascists are. And so what that creates is a lot of deception and strategizing about what laws to put in place when. So if you're a fascist, you probably don't want to start slamming fascist laws down right away. So there's a lot of uh, deception and trying to feel each other out in that way, testing allegiances and what have. And it's just a blast to play. We did like a whole game night. It was me and then people who had never really played board games before. And we played a bunch of different games and that was pretty much consensus the favorite. So that's uh, Secret Hitler. 
Well, that's going to be it for this episode of the Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, or anywhere you download your regular podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile, you can find us at thelovecrafttapes.com with links to all our recommendals and social media channels, including Facebook, Reddit, YouTube, and our Discord server, where you can chat with us in real time. You can find me on Twitter at Lovecraft Tapes. And if anybody out there wants to chide me for breaking up the team, uh, you can find me on Twitter at the real weird kid. And if anyone wants to play the Gabe Lottery where I either respond in 10 seconds or in 10 hours, you can find me at Lovecraft Gabe's. And if anyone wants to find Brian, because he can't talk right now because he's mute, you can find him at Brian Podcast with a Y. Until next time, roll for tentacles. Ooh. Hot. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2018. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes. I'm trying His to get everything Chris to fit Parker. on my screen, and now that we have the four box uh, on your thing, three screens, yeah. Oh, you poor fucking baby! I know. <laughs> I know. It's it's tough having only three monitors, Brian. Oh, I understand. Just rough. Anybody can do it. I don't know if you guys think I'm special, but there's this thing called space. So well, I have two yeah, two monitors, and I'm the guy running it and broadcasting it, and I oh. only have one. In your face, motherfucker. No, all around my face. Nice. My recommendo is three monitors. <laughs> well, that's cute. You're really, That's really cute. What was my recommendo last time, guys? Come on. I don't fucking keep track of your A shit. movie, I bet. Oh, you sons of bitches. Women's lingerie. Again? Edible undies. <laughs> oh, you know it. Men's edible undies. <laughs> From the makers of edible arrangements. Oh. It's just sausage casing. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but it's delicious. <laughs> but for Vienna sausage. <laughs> right. And transitioning over, so. Finally. Quick swear. Congratulations. All right, let's get going here. Quick, don't say anything mean or YouTube will demonetize us. I prefer Vimeo. <laughs> God damn it, Gabe, now we got demonetized. And we already have a narcoleptic character. Oh, no, not anymore. Oh, he's still there. Heaven forbid that two people have the same medical condition in <laughs> the entirety happened. of Never the happened. world. No, no. Not in my campaign, goddammit. Seven billion people and only one person is allowed to have AIDS. <laughs> I'm thinking like uh, the Lake Michigan Lighthouse. That wide? Yeah, I mean, like uh, out here in St. Joe. Okay, oh, cool. he just revealed what city he lives oh, in, folks. Yeah, so luck is like, yeah. you know, yeah. you can say, you can say, Boy, don't don't I have that flask on me someplace? Yeah, but and I'd I don't. say roll for luck. Yeah, and I won't. So I'm I'm just repeating that for the rest of the guys too, just in case they get. So you can always sort of in the in the uh, interest of role playing and making mm-hmm. up the story, if as long as it's not too out of the norm. Right. Okay, I got it. Isn't that Dan just standing right over there? <laughs> roll for <laughs> luck. luck. That's it. We're done.
Yay, we found him. We did Thanks it, for joining us, guys. We, <laughs> we are no we longer going to pod we our casts. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just watching Roy over there. I'm kind of sick. <laughs> so I'm not exactly Dude, like... Dude, you are sick. Well, I'm like that kind of sick where it's just a lot of snorting and licking. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I call that Saturday. <laughs> My dog has that same problem with peanut butter. <laughs> I have two dogs. Oh... Twice the peanut butter. Iremon. Irie. You want a little Jamaican there say, in the middle? I was going to say, is that the Jamaican who smokes a pack a day accent? Must or? have been the uns thing, right? Yeah. Uns. Ties. Few times, maybe. Tell me more about this thing, man. Something in the water, man. Get out of the water, man.